Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour History. I'm your host, Professor Natalie Harpin. Today I thought I would go over some things that you should consider if you want to ask one of your professors for a letter of recommendation. So being that I've been a college professor since 2013, I've been asked for a pretty good number of letters of recommendation. I would say probably probably about 20 to 25 letters. So I love writing letters for great students. I think that it is helpful, especially when you teach a smaller class. And by smaller, I mean anywhere from you know, 45 students or less, I think those spaces are great to build in a relationship with your professors and with other students, because I know 45 people might seem like a lot, especially when you're in high school or when you're in community college. But when you transfer or when you go to, if you go directly to a four-year school, you know from experience that many of your classes can have, you know, dozens and dozens of people. So you may have, you know, a 70 person class or a 120 person class, or especially if it's one of those big classes that everybody in that academic school has to take, it could be, you know, upwards of two to 300 people in one lecture hall, like basically in an amphitheater. So it's harder to stand out when you have 70 to 200 or more students. It's much easier to stand out when you have a smaller class of 40 or less. And so I wanted to go over some things that you may consider when you are thinking about who to ask and how to ask. So one of the things I'll say, just because, you know, <laughs> it's the almost the end of the semester, is that from the professor point of view, you want to make sure that this is somebody who you have built some sort of a relationship with. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be emailing them every week and asking questions that you already know the answer to, just so you can send emails or spending too much time at their office hour because you don't want to monopolize their time, right? But what I mean is that when they ask for, if they ask for volunteers in class, then it would be ideal if you're one of the people who has been volunteering to give answers or to give your insight or input about something, you want to have stood out positively to the professor. Now, I know sometimes, especially when you're in a smaller class, or even if you're in a larger class, it can be even more intimidating, but sometimes when you're the student, you don't want to draw attention to yourself. And I know most of the time, a lot of you are going to be, you know, traditionally, students are going to be younger. So late teens, early 20s, maybe mid 20s. But especially at that age, you don't, you generally don't have the same self-confidence. So even if you know the answer or want to share the answer, sometimes you're going to be like, oh, well, I don't want to say anything because I don't want everyone to look at me or, oh, people are going to think that I'm being a goody two-shoes or whatever you call it now in this generation. But don't be afraid of that because at the end of the day, you know, screw those other people. You want to be the one to stand out or be among the students who stands out because at the end of the semester, when you are thinking about your future goals or plans, or maybe even a year later, when you're thinking about graduate school or a professional school or something that you need a lot of recommendation from a recent professor, those are the people who are going to remember you because you're the one of the people who positively stood out. And I can tell you from personal experience both as the student and as the professor, that has always 
been something that I was happy that I sort of understood at a younger age. Now, when I was a student at, especially when I transferred to UCSD, I was the only black student in all of my classes. So I stood out whether I wanted to or not. And I noticed that my teachers always knew my name, right? Because I was the one black person and a lot of them were history teachers. So, um, you know, it wasn't like they weren't paying attention to who was in class. So I used that to my advantage. I was like, okay, well, they know who I am. So I would volunteer to answer sometimes in class or I would um, volunteer something that I had read from another source, right, that I knew was relevant to the class even if it wasn't on the reading list. Those are small things I did randomly. So when I decided I wanted to go to the graduate program for the master's degree in history, I had professors from the last year, year and a half, two years at UCSD who were more than willing to write me letters of recommendation because they knew that I was really interested in the the field and they knew that I was a good student. On the other side, from the professor point of view, it's always positive to stand out in that way. So please don't ever feel like you need to be self-conscious or like you're going to make enemies in your class. If anything, the people who are also, you know, like want to move forward or move up or do other things, like networking is always really important. And that's not the same thing as using people, right? Those are two different things. But networking as far as When other students see that you're volunteering, it may inspire them to. And the next thing you know, you have something in common with them. They might like, you know, say something to you or offer something, um, some dialogue or want to talk with you, you know, after class because you said something that they wanted to say. It can bring it can be a magnet for good attention. That's what I mean. It doesn't always have to be a magnet for like negative attention. So something else, besides standing out positively in your class, you're going to want to make sure that if you had a class in the current semester that you did really well in, that you keep in touch with the professor the next term. So for example, I have a student currently, well, I don't have a student, he's not my student anymore, but he's still a student. So before I left one of the community colleges that I was working at part-time, Um, when I became full-time, this student was in that last history class of mine. It was a modern U.S. history. And he was, you know, did really well in class, would volunteer, would participate, and he kept in touch. And so he, every few months, he sends me an email and says, oh, this is what's going on. You know, how's teaching for you? This is what it's like for me right now. I believe he's at San Diego State. And I know that he just recently asked me for a letter of recommendation. So I'll use him as an example. So, hey, Ben, if you're listening. (laughs) Um, What's great is that because he's kept in touch, I know what's up. I know what he's currently doing. So if he needs a letter, I have something to say about him right now. I have no idea. I can't. I know that he got an A in my class, but I can't really say much more from three years ago besides he you know, participated and he got a good grade. But I do know that he is very active at his school now because he tells me about those things. He tells me the clubs he's in, that he started a new club, that they just got a recent award. All that's great stuff. So I have a good pool of information to mention in the letter that I write for him, right? Or if someone asks me if they can use me as a reference for a job, I'll know things about their 
character and their leadership qualities, even though they were my student a few years ago, because they've kept in touch with me, you know, like I said, every few months to send an email to check in. That way I don't forget about them, if that makes sense. Now, what you don't want to do is you don't want to ask one of your professors for a letter of recommendation if you did not get a high score in their class. Now, having an A or an A minus, I would say a B plus would be probably the line where you should maybe reconsider only because it's not that other grades aren't as good because sometimes you don't need a class for your major. We all have, I mean, I took those classes where you just took them pass, no pass, or, you know, you knew you only needed an 80 or maybe a 70 to percent or whatever, and you were still a good student. But keep in mind that if you haven't been keeping in touch with the professor, they likely only have a record of what your final grade was. So let's say this same student, Ben, hadn't kept in touch with me and then emailed me now and said, hey, you know, he always calls me professor. Even I tell him he can call me Natalie now. And he says, hey, professor, I want to know if I can, you know, get a letter of recommendation for you get a recommendation from you and um, it's going to be due in a few months, right? So let's say I'm like, okay, well, what term did you have me in? Because oftentimes your professor will ask you, what term did you take my class? So let's say he says, well, I took your class in spring 2019. So if I go through my records, because oftentimes a lot of professors will keep records of our rosters or will have a roster that we saved as like a, a file to print so students could sign in and things like that. If I look at my grade roster and I see, okay, well, this student, let's, you know, Ben didn't get this grade, but let's say I see the letter C. So let's say I can tell that he had a C as his final grade. If he hasn't kept in touch with me at all and I don't really know what's going on now, I may not remember that he was a great participatory student then. I have nothing to say about what he's doing now. So I'm not, I wouldn't be compelled to write him a letter of recommendation because I'm going to look at that and say, well, you got to see, right? Like, what am I going to say? I don't know anything about you. I don't remember anything about you besides the letter grade you got. Something else that's really important for you to consider when and if you ask a professor for a letter of recommendation is that we are swamped, okay? Swamped, honey swamped like I cannot tell you how happy I am that the semester is almost over like I'm not teaching summer school for the first time at any school in years and I fully intend to not do anything <laughs> I mean like of course I, I know me like I know I'll go to museums or you know want to go do researchy type things or read but I'm not going to be checking my work email and going to my office and things like that so what I mean is that we're very busy during the semester. In the fall semester, because everything's new and we're getting ready, that's the, the start of the academic year is always in the fall. So late August, early September. And then we're super swamped in spring because that's the time around graduation. So you have a lot of students who are trying to, you know, tie up their courses for graduation. You have a lot of extra demands from your department. You, I mean, most people don't work over the summer. So there's a lot of things that we as professors and staff, et cetera, counselors, that we have to do in April and May that we're not going to touch again until August, right? Because we're not on contract over the summer. 
so we're not, you know, working, so to speak. Now, I bring that up to say that sometimes, and I have students too, like I have one who I need to email her back and say, yes, I'll write it. But I have, I personally have been so overworked the last couple weeks with all the classes that I teach and the committee work that I'm doing. I'm in the middle of tenure review at the college that I'm, one of the colleges that I'm at. So her email fell to the back. I emailed her in back in my head, but I have not, you know, put fingers to keys and sent an email to her back. And I need to do that. But I bring that up to say that we're really swamped during the year. So please never, ever, ever, ever ask one of your professors to write you a letter of recommendation that you need within a few weeks. That is terrible. So even if you had a great relationship with them and you keep in touch with them, it is always a bad idea to ask us for a letter of recommendation within three, like, you know, that you need even three weeks out. You always want to give people, um, I mean, I like to say at least two months, but at least a month. And I mean a month if you have a good rep, if you have a good reputation with them and like you were a very recent student, so they remember you. Never ask for a letter of recommendation that you need ASAP. Because like I said, we do get very swamped with other things that we have to do for our job. And writing letters of recommendation are not technically a part of our job. We do them, you know, for students that we have connections to and for students that are, you know, have shown themselves to have leadership qualities and academic integrity and things like that. So it's a labor of love to do it. And it can be really annoying, even with really good students, if it's needed immediately, right? Because we don't want to say no, because we do like you and we believe in you and everything else, but we have our own lives. We have things that we have to do professionally for our jobs and things that we have to tackle personally with our families and our home lives and, you know, our own, um, our own, you know, lives that we're leading, Okay, so never ask for a letter of recommendation if you need it really, really quickly. There was a great student I had, and she really needed a letter fast. It was an emergency situation. She was applying to get to Spelman, and I really liked her, and I wanted to write a letter of recommendation, but again, I was doing my tenure review stuff. I had a lot of grading I had to do, and she needed it within like a, like a two- to three-week period. And I told her, I said, listen... I want to write you a letter of recommendation, but if I write this for you and it's going to be due in two weeks, it's going to be a very short letter. I'm not going to be able to get into a lot of detail. I'm not going to have the time to commit to creating this really nice letter for you, but it'll get done, right? It'll get done. I can, I can email it to you within the two weeks, or if you can wait for the letter, I can give it to you in a month or two. And it'll be a much more robust letter. So I did give her that option. But I really liked the student. For some of your professors, they may not email you back. They may say no because they cannot commit to that. And you can't take that personally. Because, again, you have to think about, I know for you it's a big, it's a big deal. And it's not that it's not a big deal to us. But that's just one more thing that is being asked of us that we... You know, we're already having a hard time fitting in things into our schedule. And writing a good letter is actually very difficult. (laughs) Um, And maybe unless you're an English major or an English professor, because they tend to be the best editors of these types of things. 
And so next, I think we should talk about some things to be aware of when you ask, because it may affect the, you know, if you even are able to get a letter from your professor. So one of the things you have to consider is that sometimes we have students who we've written a letter for already, and they come to us a year or two later and ask for another one. General etiquette is, I would say, I would recommend that you ask your professor to write you a letter that's in a general sense. So it's not, um, I mean, having it dated is fine. And even that might be like, eh, I don't know if you want it dated because you may want to say that it's more recent than it is. But I like to start the recommendation with to whom it may concern. And I do it on formal letterhead. So I'll do it on, you know, UCSD letterhead or Grossmont letterhead or something like that. And to keep it, you need to be responsible and keep the PDF of the file because what I, well, at least what I do is I generally type the letter on the letterhead, I print it, I sign it, I scan it as a PDF, and I ask the students if they want the hard copy. So you need to make sure that you keep those files, right? Because again, if I have a student from four years ago, and this happened to me a few months ago, and they're asking for another letter, it's been a lot of time. And this student did not keep in touch at all. And it's not that she had to, but, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing new I can say that wasn't already said. And so you want to consider those things when you're asking for a letter again, right? Keep the file. And I recommend asking them to make it out in a general sense as far as, you know, your academic performance and your leadership qualities that you showed in class and things like that, that you can use in different scenarios. So you can use it for a job, you can use it for, you know, law school, pharmacy school, you know, whatever program that you're thinking about going into, you can reuse it. And I know a lot of students who I've had who've gone to law school, they have like a portal and pharmacy actually too. There's like a portal that you can upload the letter in as the instructor and then multiple schools have access to that file of the student, which I think is really cool because then the student doesn't have to worry about where they're going to file it um, and things like that. If you're sending a formal email to request a letter of recommendation from one of your professors, I would say always attach your resume or CV with the email that you're sending them asking them to. Because what I like to do when I'm writing letters is I like to have a good paragraph or two about how the student performed in my class and their leadership qualities that I saw in them. But I also like to bring in the things that they're doing in addition to school. So I've had students even who maybe didn't work full time while they were going to school, but they did a lot of volunteering. Or maybe they did work full time while they were going to school or they were helping take care of their family. And so I can weave that into the letter and it shows that they're, you know, a well-rounded person, that they are not just academically inclined, but that they are community oriented. And I always think that those also make the best letters. Something that you definitely want to prepare for is, you know, the answer no. So like I said, sometimes your professors aren't going to be able to write you a letter sometimes. And I did bring this up, but I forgot to carry it through. But when you have a lot of students who ask you in one term for a letter, a lot of professors have a cap. 
So they may say, okay, well, I'm, they may tell themselves, I'm going to write three letters each term. So once those three students ask, even if it's one who they need to, you know, rewrite or pull up, whatever, that also counts. So they may say, well, I actually reached my maximum. I already have three students who asked for letters of recommendation. I have to turn those in by these due dates. I'm not going to be able to accommodate you. And I actually had to do that for a student. And in the end, one of the students who I thought needed a letter didn't need one anymore. And so I was able to accommodate the fourth student. But I had originally told her I wouldn't be able to do it. And she sent a lot of emails. And I know she was, you know, like practically begging me to write her one and I felt bad but again I had to consider all the other things that I had to do for my job and that I just did not have time and would not have had time to get it done but because that third student fell through I just you know created one in time for her deadline and just emailed it to her and she was of course very appreciative but it wasn't personal it was just I did not have time to do that so you want to make sure that you prepare for the answer no So like I said, I think that building good relationships with your professors is very important where you can. It's always okay to, you know, keep in touch with your community college professors. If you have a former boss that you worked with who is invested in your future and is willing to provide a reference or letter of recommendation for you, that's always helpful. And, you know, keep in touch with your professors after you're done with class. I know, especially when you're younger, it can seem like you're pestering them or like I said, because you don't necessarily have the same self-confidence at 22 that you're going to have at 32, you may feel awkward, but it's not awkward. It's never awkward. Most of us who are in the field of education are in the field because we love what we do. And we love engaging students and we love students who engage with us in class and who stay in touch and who tell us about what they're doing in their lives and with their families and in their academic pursuits. Like we love that. That is one of the best feelings ever is having somebody who was your former student and watching them succeed. So just keep that in mind. Like you're not, I mean, I think you'll kind of know when you have those professors who were like, eh, you know, like they, they come, they do their job. They talk at the, they talk at the room for an hour. They pack up their bag and they leave. Right. You already know not to ask those people for anything, but the teachers who, you know, you've made a positive impact on, like, because you have volunteered in class to, you know, answer questions. Because I always say, well, you know, does anyone have a question? Does anyone want to say anything? You know, what do you think about this? And I wait. And so the students who always raise their hand, I learn their names because they're always participating. And I make it a point to learn their names. And so when you do things like that, it makes it very easy for the teacher to be able to connect with you and be willing to keep the lines of communication open after class is over. And also it's a way for you to sort of like an open door for you to keep in touch with them after you're done with whatever class they're teaching. So I thought that would be important because I know that it's you know almost summer. So I know that school, many schools are in their finals weeks or will be soon in their finals week. And I wanted to talk about that. And I thought this was a great time because in addition to wrapping up the school year, since the school year ends at this time, at the end of spring, so May, June-ish, 
most of the time people are applying for transfer by the fall for the following year or applying for a new program or a new school. So this is actually the perfect time to ask a professor, not me, (laughs) but this is the perfect time to ask a professor for a letter of recommendation that you'll need in the at the end of August or in September, right? So that you can give them time to write it. Now, if I had a student who was particularly good and and I mean like a good student, you know, participated in class, you know, was keeping a good grade. And for me, honestly, if I know that somebody isn't a strong writer or and we don't do like writing essays a lot in my classes, but we do historical analysis. So there is some writing involved. If I know that a student isn't that great with the material, like they're not comfortable with that, maybe their wheelhouse is more like the math or the sciences. And they didn't get like a top grade, but I know how hard they worked. That's still going to stick with me, right? As like the instructor, as the professor who's watching you develop in class. So if I have one of those students who at the end of the term says, hey, Professor Harpin, I you know wanted to know if you could write me a letter of recommendation. I'm going to be applying for law school in September, so I'll need the letter by the end of September so that I can apply at the beginning of October. That would be perfect because I know I, I make a note of that and say, OK, I need to write this letter for this person. But it also gives me time to enjoy my summer. Right. Because they don't need it immediately. I can still take the time off that I need to recover right from the academic year, from everything that I have going on at my job and with my employment and like, you know, with teaching and all these different trainings and stuff that they have us doing. So I can still take the time I need to like relax and breathe. And I still have plenty of time to write a really nice, robust letter. I'm not going to be rushing. Right. So this is the perfect time, especially at the end, because I always recommend waiting until the end of the term. So asking now is the perfect time for the next few months. So that's why I started out with saying you don't want to ask them for a recommendation letter within a few weeks. Like, that's rude. (laughs) And for myself personally, and I know that there are other um, professors who do this, but on my website, which is natalieharpin.com, right, Natalie with it, Y-E, harpin.com, what I do is on my contact tab, I have a whole section of the page that says, do you need a letter of recommendation? And that is where I say what I would need to be able to talk about. So this list, I mean, I'm not going to read it verbatim because I'm not looking at the screen on my website and I don't know exactly what I said, but the gist of what I have there is that it's not just about getting a good grade in the class, but it's also like I mentioned before about leadership qualities, writing ability, what you did, your final project or essay on different things, right? I have a list of things. And I say at the end of that, if you don't feel comfortable with me giving an honest analysis of these things, then you probably should ask somebody else for a letter. And what I mean by that is, like I said, if I have a student who let's, let's say nobody asked me for a letter of recommendation for this term, nobody. And then I have a student who got a decent grade, but never really participated in class. And they email me and say, hey, you know, I want to apply for this program. I really don't have, because people be honest, (laughs) like I really don't have a lot of professors that I can ask, 
but I really did like your class and, you know, it was impactful to me, you know, blah, blah, blah. So if they ask me for a letter of recommendation, it's probably going to be pretty short. And again, it may be one of those situations where I say, you know what, I don't think I'm the best person to do this because it's almost worse to have a bad letter than no letter at all. And I have been, when I was at a different community college, I was a volunteer to be a scholarship reader. So what I did was it was an anonymous portal, but it was for students who were applying for scholarships. And our job as the readers was to score their package based on certain things. So for some of the students, they had letters of recommendations from teachers. And of course, the the names were redacted. But you know, a professor might write three lines and I'm, I'm, I'm shitting you not. Like it literally was three sentences. This student was really great. They had a good grade in class. They showed up and I think they'd be great for this award. Like I read plenty of letters that were like that. Now my rules, like the rules I was looking at for, as the reader said, you're supposed to score the letter on like a strength spectrum. So from zero to five, how, like how much does this letter showcase the quality of the student? So even if you had a student who, you know, like qualified for the scholarship and volunteered and worked and has, you know, community service and was, you know, active in their community and was a student and was making good grades. If they had a letter that was three sentences, I can't give that a five. So you have students who would be scored lower because they had terrible letters and I don't know if that's because they didn't have a relationship with the professor who they asked. I don't know if it's because the professor was just being a, you know, lazy and a pain in the neck and was just like, you know what, I'll do it, but they're not going to be able to read it. So I'm just going to say whatever I want. So you have to keep in mind those things too. It's, it's worse to have a very short letter that's impersonal and it, it reads like a stock letter. Like they just sat down, wrote three sentences and turned it in than having no letter at all from the said person. So you only want to make sure you ask people who you can trust are going to do right by you. Keep that in mind. So with that being said, I think I'll sign off for this episode. I hope that it would be insightful. And I think maybe over the summer, I'll sort of do more like insightful podcasts about things I noticed about the educational field because I had posted something on... um, among my friends and we were sort of having a discussion about it. So I think I might want to talk some about that and some of the changes I've noticed in education since the pandemic took over and like shifted the online shifted to online learning. And now that we're trying to get back to in class, but I hope everybody has a fabulous day or night, whichever you're in. And I will see you on the next episode. I hope. Thanks everybody for listening. Bye.